Well, good evening. It's uh, wonderful to be back here at uh, Holy Trinity, uh, sitting uh, over there before the service, looking around, and there's some familiar bits of the building. If you look up, the very unfamiliar bits uh, as you look down. But then the pews started filling and saw some familiar fixtures uh, taking their seats. But it's uh, wonderful uh, to be here this evening. One of the things I was reminiscing about was the carol services here uh, during my time. I left in 2010. We were here for five and a half years. Uh, before that, but my memory is of having candles absolutely everywhere. Uh, and I thought this is quite sad that in this new building we don't have candles absolutely everywhere. And then I realized that as a preacher, there's a great advantage to that because as the temperature went up due to the candles, the oxygen went down and everyone fell asleep. So no excuses for falling asleep today. But it's wonderful to be back here. Thank you for the invitation, Rupert, and for your introduction. I want to speak today about the greatest gift. As I was preparing this talk, I was trying to think about the best Christmas present that I'd ever received. Uh, And I think I narrowed it down to a Millennium Falcon that I received. Uh, It was fantastic opening it up on Christmas morning. I played with it constantly all day. I took it to church, I think. Uh, I played with it so much I actually broke it by Boxing Day. Uh, I was the happiest 23-year-old you could possibly imagine. No, I think I was about nine, I hope. Anyway, but I I love presents, and it's really important in the lead up to Christmas, when you want to receive a gift, that you actually tell the people who you think can best provide that gift for you. It reminds me of a story. It was coming up to Christmas, and a young boy was upstairs with his mother saying his bedtime prayers. And uh, his dad and his grandma were sitting downstairs while he was doing this. And he prayed this, Lord, I pray for a train set a remote control car, and a new bicycle. You don't have to shout, says the mother. God's not deaf. I know, said the little boy, but grandma is. (laughs) I relate to that story because my grandma was always the person to go to for that big gift, uh, and she always came through for us. A present is fantastic to receive when it is something that we have hoped for. It's something we've been longing for. Or it's great to receive a present when it meets a need we have or that we didn't even realize we had. But actually receiving that gift, we realized we needed it. So I've bought my wife a new ironing board for Christmas. (laughs) I haven't, honestly. I haven't. (laughs) The theme for tonight's sermon is the greatest gift. If you think back to last year, I don't know if you remember Sainsbury's Christmas advert. But it had the tagline, the greatest gift is... And as the advert went on, the punchline to the advert was, the greatest gift is me. Not me particularly, but ourselves. Uh, The greatest gift we can give is ourselves, giving our time, giving our relationships, giving love to those that we uh, are close to. It's a lovely advert uh, and an important message about what we think is important and where we should invest our time. As well, of course, encouraging us to shop online with Sainsbury's. Other supermarkets are available. But I want to talk today about a greater gift. It is also a gift that speaks of love and speaks of relationship. It is greater because the love that it speaks of is a perfect love. And the relationship it enables is the foundational relationship for all people. This gift is the source of love. It is the source of relationship. At Christmas, Christians celebrate that greatest gift. We celebrate that greatest gift given to us, which is him. It is Christ. 
Emmanuel, God with us. The baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas was God's gift of himself for all mankind. And it is a great gift because it is a gift that satisfies our deepest longings. A gift that all hope for and a gift that all need, whether we realize it or not. And this isn't a gift that doesn't, that, this isn't a gift that breaks on Boxing Day. It doesn't run out or need replacing. It will never be supplanted by the next thing or the newest version of what we already have. This is an eternal gift, a gift that never ends. And so briefly tonight, I want to give three reasons why Jesus is the greatest gift. And there are actually three longings, three hopes that this gift meets. And which make it the greatest gift ever given. And the greatest gift that anyone could receive. And the first longing that this gift meets is the longing for purpose. There is a deep longing in every human heart to know why we are here and where we are going. Are we just the random result of multiplying and mutating cells that briefly exist but are doomed to non-existence? Or is there a greater purpose? A reason we are here, a reason that we have consciousness, a reason that we love, a reason that we are creative, a reason that we exist. Is there a purpose, a destiny for humanity that would explain the full breadth of human experience? A purpose that would satisfy our longings spiritually and emotionally and intellectually. Something that would satisfy that longing for purpose. When you try to find the purpose of an object, the best person, of course, to go to is the designer of that object. And so if we're wanting to know the purpose of life, then if there was a creator or is a creator, a God, that would be the ultimate place to find out why we exist, why we were created. But how do we know if there is a creator? How do we know if there is a God? Well, Christians believe that we know there is a God because he has revealed himself to us. As the carol says, he came down from earth, from, to earth from heaven. Who is God and Lord of all. If this baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas was the creator's gift of himself, then we can have answers to those questions of purpose and destiny. We have a maker we can go to to find our purpose. And what did Jesus say was our purpose? Why did he say we were created? In his ministry, he taught that we were created to be in a relationship with God as children of God. That is our purpose. And because it is a relationship with an eternal God, and therefore an eternal relationship, that is our ultimate destiny as well. We've heard some familiar Christmas readings. Another one comes from John chapter 1. And it says this, He, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If we receive Jesus, the greatest of gifts, then our longing for purpose and destiny will be satisfied. As we receive our true and eternal purpose as children of God. 
The second thing we long for that is met in Jesus, the greatest of gifts, is certainty. The Oxford English Dictionary word of the year for 2016 was post-truth. This idea that objective facts are irrelevant when compared to emotions or, and personal belief. And actually, if you think of the consequences of that, it's actually quite worrying. Because it means there can be no certainty about anything. There are no reference points to build common understanding from. There are no anchors to more and give context to our experiences and beliefs. There is nothing to check if our emotions are misplaced or corrupted. Without truth, no opinion, however outlandish or even horrific, can be said to be invalid. Without truth, there is no reason. And without reason, the loudest opinion becomes the prevailing one. Commenting on this phenomenon, Gary Kasparov tweeted, uh, Gary Kasparov, the chess grandmaster, tweeted this. The point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda. It is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. And this is worrying because without truth, there can be no trust. And without trust, there can be no relationships. And human beings at our very heart are relational beings. To have a relationship is to trust. And to trust is to say that there are some things that we know are true. Things that we know are certain. Without truth, we are left with no certainty about anything. And that causes worry, bewilderment and confusion. Some people looking at this phenomena of post-truth can see it as originating in the postmodern rejection of the meta-narrative. The idea that actually there is an overarching truth or narrative that explains everything. This has been rejected and the idea that truth has, uh, is actually a subjective thing and not objective. But to reject objective truth on the overall level is also to ultimately reject it on every level. And we are left with not only no truth but also no trust. We are left uncertain. The Christmas message is that God has revealed himself to humanity, that we might know, that we might know the ultimate truth, that we might be certain of his existence, certain of his presence, certain of his love and certain of our purpose. And having this certainty frees us from worry and confusion. We don't have to make up our own stories. We can know our place in God's story. And being sure of this means we can trust. It means we can love and be loved. It means we can know and be known. Certain about God. Certain about ourselves. Jesus is given the name Emmanuel. God with us. This is the greatest gift. Because he gives us certainty. And the last longing that Jesus, the greatest of gifts, satisfies. Is that longing for fulfillment. Another new word that has hit the English language in the last few years is FOMO. It's an acronym for fear of missing out, FOMO. This is the worry that other people are having a better life than you. One of the manifestation symptoms of this is Instagram envy. I don't know if you suffer from Instagram envy, looking at other people's lives and wishing that you had that life and fearing that you're missing out on something. Everyone wants to live a fulfilled life. 
The problem is we don't know what that means. What is a fulfilled life? We're left trying to fill our lives with things that we're told we must have or must do. If you go over to uh, Waterstones across the road, I think it's still there, I don't hope it's still there. Uh, you'll have lots of books telling you how to live a fulfilled life. Books like uh, 100 Places to Visit Before You Die. But what if you only manage 99? Are you unfulfilled? 100 things to eat before you die. What if you're allergic to number two? Are you going to be unfulfilled? What happens if we don't tick off every item of those books or every item of our bucket list? Is that really what fullness of life is about? I suspect many in our world would despair at our luxury to even think in such terms when they in poverty or conflict are looking just to survive to the next day. But what is a fulfilled life? How do we judge it? How do we know if we've lived it? Or maybe we will miss out on it. There is that longing to live a life of meaning and fulfillment. And yet this constant fear that we aren't doing that or that we won't do that. Jesus later on in his ministry said this, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness, a fulfilled life. We were created for relationship with God. And without that, we will always feel unfulfilled. No matter how many bucket lists we complete, or if we visit 101 places or eat 101 different types of food. Because the problem is we are alienated from God. That creation relationship has been broken. We are what the Bible calls sinful. Which means that we like to think of ourselves as God over our own lives. We have decided to find our own purposes. To build our own certainty. And define our own fulfillment. And this has led to a rejecting of God. So it's led to a broken relationship with God and estrangement from God. And therefore a sense of alienation at the heart of who we are. But that deep longing, those deep longings remain. We feel unfulfilled, without ultimate purpose, uncertain and unfulfilled. Jesus is the greatest gift because he, God, not only offers us the relationship we were created for, but he also makes it possible for us to have that relationship. Jesus was God's gift of himself, not only to reveal himself, but also to offer himself, to be our saviour. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke down the barrier between us and God. He bridged that great and hostile divide. He, offered, he offers restoration of relationship. And in that relationship, fullness of life. So at this Christmas time, when we buy gifts for others, when we receive gifts from others, let us remember Jesus. Let us remember that Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. Because in him, we find the answer to all the longings of our heart. Again, later on, Jesus in his ministry declared this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus gives us purpose. He is the way. He gives us certainty. He is the truth. And he gives us fulfillment. He is the life. 
to all who receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is the greatest gift. But just like any other gift, we have a choice whether to receive it or not. This Christmas, if you have not yet received this greatest of gifts, this gift is offered to you. And if you receive Jesus, you will find purpose, you will find certainty, and you will find fullness of life. And you will know that he is the greatest of gifts.